In Ezekiel chapter 40 tonight, the book of Ezekiel in chapter number 40, um, we'll read several verses of scripture here, probably the first seven verses of this text, and then we'll try and read a couple of verses in a couple of other chapters of Ezekiel tonight. Ezekiel in chapter number 40, uh, I'm going to try and read to you some very, very inspiring verses of Scripture that I mean, uh, as we read these, you ought to just be on your feet and they're about shouting by the time we're done reading this stuff right here. Anybody who's read Ezekiel 40 through 48 knows I'm saying some of that tongue-in-cheek here. Um, the verses I'm about to read is probably high on your list of least favorite Bible reading. Uh, if, if you're a Bible reader, and I hope we got Bible readers here, I'm not just talking about you study a verse of Scripture to get a message or to teach Sunday school, but you systematically read through your Bible regularly, front to back, Genesis to Revelation, over and over and over again, just like you get a bath and that water washes on you. You just constantly let the water of the Word of God year after year, day after day, week after week, month after month, just wash you because we all walk around in this dirty world and get dirty. We need to get washed. So if you've done that any length of time, this is what you know. There are portions of Scripture that are not um, hanging from the rafter material. Can we just be honest there? I mean, look, it was like one time, Preacher Rains, I'll never forget this, and God bless her heart, she's a good lady, meant well, but she's crazy. And uh, I'll never forget, we had a testimony service at the church one time, and my preacher had said... Uh, Anybody who's got a favorite verse of Scripture, I'd like for you to give it tonight. Just stand up, quote your favorite verse. It'll let folk kind of know, you know, maybe what's your favorite verse of Scripture, whatever in the Bible. And everybody's kind of got one, and that may change through life, whichever one's your favorite. But anyways, folk was doing that. I stood up, my wife stood up, other people stood up. We just give our favorite verse, sit down, and this poor lady stood up, and she said, Preacher, I don't have one favorite Bible verse. The whole Bible is my favorite verse. And literally, I was just close to standing up looking at her and saying, well, sister, why don't you just quote that for us then? Just, just quote the whole thing, starting Genesis 1, 1, Revelation 22, 21. Just quote the whole thing for us. Come on now, are you really telling me your favorite Bible verse, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so and over in First Chronicles, really did. Uh, you know, don't try and be too spiritual by trying to be super spiritual tonight. These times you read your Bible, you got through Genesis without a problem because it's all good. You hit Exodus and done real good till it started talking about the sockets and the boards and the, and the tenons and all of that that went into the tabernacle. And then you hit Leviticus and just decided it's time to skip straight to Psalms. <laughs> Don't lie to me. Hey, 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 you got all them 75 cent names in First Chronicles and you just started saying, okay, I did my Bible reading today. You ain't read there one of them, didn't even try. Thought you'd talk in tongues or cuss if you tried to read them, praise God. Ezekiel 40 through 48, some chapters like that. I want you to crack in with me to chapter 40 tonight. Uh, verse number 1, chapter 40, verse 1. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after that the city was smitten, in the selfsame day the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. Verse 2. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain which, uh, by which was as the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. Verse 4, 
And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. For to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither, declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And he's about to declare the whole nine yards. Verse 5. And behold, a wall on the outside of the house, round about, and in the man's hand, a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and a hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building, one reed, and the height, one reed. Then came he unto the gate, which looketh toward the east, and went up the stairs thereof, and measured the threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad, and the other threshold of the gate, which was one reed broad. And every little chamber was one reed long, and one reed broad. And between the little chambers were five cubits, and the threshold of the gate, by the porch of the gate, went in with glory. Glory! Come on now, we're on shouting ground. You ought to be running the building by now, man. Man, hey, woo! <laughs> no, you started reading that right there and you just decided, man, I ain't sure this book's for me. <laughs> Let, let's see if we can find more inspirational material. Chapter 41. Now, I don't think I'm crazy. I, I'm going somewhere with this. Sure. Chapter 41, verse 1. Chapter 41, verse 1. Afterward, he brought me to the temple and measured the post. Six cubits broad on the one side, six cubits broad on the other side, which was the breadth of the tabernacle. And the breadth of the door was ten cubits, and the sides of the door were five cubits on the one side, and five cubits on the other side. And he measured the length thereof, forty cubits, and the breadth, twenty cubits. Then when he inward and measured the post of the door, two cubits and the door, six cubits, and the breadth of the door, seven cubits. So he measured the length thereof, twenty cubits. Anybody confused yet? Like, where are we at? <laughs> I don't know if we're outside. I don't know if we're inside. I don't know if we're at the front. I don't know if we're at the back. Which, where, which side are we on? Are we upstairs, downstairs? Are we in the basement? Where are we at, friend? By this time, he's been doing this now for two chapters. Chapter 42, verse 1. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then he brought me forth into the utter court, the way toward the north. And he brought me into the chamber that was over against the separate place and which was before the building toward the north. Before the length of an hundred cubits was the north door and the breadth was fifty cubits over against the twenty cubits which were for the inner court and over against the pavement which was for the utter court was gallery against gallery in three stories. And before the chambers was a walk of ten cubits breadth inward a way of one cubit and their doors toward the north. Uh, I mean, brother, we're we going to have to have a show enough Bible scholar to get up here and help us tonight. Say, so what are we reading, preacher? We're reading about a man that God is making do seemingly the most mundane and routine of tasks that God has ever asked a man to do. God comes by Ezekiel's way in the time of their captivity, starts showing him a vision of something that has not yet happened, that is out in the future, and starts telling him, Ezekiel, everything that gets measured, everything that I show you, doesn't matter how big, how small, or how minuscule, or how great it is, I want you to pay attention to it, and I want you to write every bit of it down. Ezekiel is measuring ports, he's measuring uh, porches, he's measuring chambers, he's measuring walls, he's measuring doors, He's measuring gates. He's even measuring the windows and the little chambers. I mean, there is nothing that has not escaped the view of Ezekiel of this vast expanse of a building. And listen to me tonight. It is seemingly the most routine, mundane job that a man can do. Come here, Ezekiel. Look at this. You see that room? Yeah. Okay, write that down. Okay. Come here, Ezekiel. You see that room? Yes, just like the room you just showed me. It's exactly the same. Yeah, write that down. Okay, now let's walk over here. Hey, you see this room? Yeah, it looks like just like the other two. Yeah, write that down. Hey, come out here. Look at this porch. You see this porch? Yeah, write that down. 
Ezekiel is just doing everything God told him to do. Listen to me. There ain't a lot of excitement involved in it. There ain't a lot of shouting involved in it. He's just faithfully doing what God has asked him to do. You say, preacher, sometimes I feel like all I do is just what God asked me to do. There is no reward for it. There is no glory in it. And it just seems like it is the most mundane of routine tasks. Yeah, but watch what's going to happen because Ezekiel faithfully does what God asked him to do. We get to chapter 43. Watch chapter 43. Right in the middle of Ezekiel's routine, mundane, boring faithfulness. Chapter 43, verse 1. Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. And his voice was like a noise of many waters. And the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Kibar. And I fell upon my face, verse 4, and the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. I heard Him speaking unto me out of the house. And and the man stood by me. Say, what's going to happen here? Ezekiel's just going to faithfully do everything that God is telling him to do. And somewhere in the middle of this routine, mundane faithfulness, God is going to show up in all of His glory. Ezekiel is going to see something that is only brought about through mundane, routine faithfulness. The only way Ezekiel is going to get to the place where he can see God show up and he can hear God speak and he can see the spirit work and he can hear God make sense out of everything he's seen is he's just got to faithfully walk, faithfully measure faithfully write down and faithfully do what God tells him to do even if it seems routine, mundane and boring. Now y'all listen to me what I've just read to you that's the Christian life in a nutshell there's a lot of times in the Christian life it ain't pats on the back it ain't shouting the house down it ain't running the aisles it's just routine mundane faithfulness it's getting up in the morning praying getting up in the morning reading your Bible and nobody's there to say thank you the preacher ain't there to say boy." and you come to passages like this and you read five or six chapters and you think well I wasted my time this was a waste of time yeah but you get back up tomorrow and you do it again and you get back up the next day and you do it again and you go to church Sunday morning Sunday school and Sunday night and midweek service and sometimes you show up and don't nothing happen nobody gets saved nobody does anything the preacher lays an egg in the pulpit you think well man that didn't help a God blessed soul did nobody get nothing out of none of that but you just keep on being faithful and you just keep on walking with God and you just keep on doing those little faithful things and you just keep on being steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord and all of a 
a sudden out of nowhere right in the middle of your routine faithfulness right in the middle of your mundane service right in the middle of it seeming like nothing's going on out of nowhere the glory of God shows up and God begins to move and God begins to work and you realize there was a purpose for all of the preparation there was a purpose and a plan for all of the faithfulness and I would never see the glory of God in chapter 43 if I had not faithfully done what God had asked in chapter 40, 41 and 42 I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on this subject the kind of life that sees the glory of God what kind of life sees the glory of God God wants to show us His glory. He wanted to show it to Moses. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we are changed from glory to glory while we look into the mirror of the Word of God and behold Him in there. Y'all, I don't know about you, but this is the way it seems to work with me. I'll pick that old book up. I've read it through. I, can't, I don't even know how many times now. 20 years of being saved. And so... it. it I don't know, I'm not going to try and divulge how many times I try and read it or whatever else, but many times over than that. And preacher, there's times I'll read that thing. And I'll be honest, I get done reading, I didn't get a whole lot that day. But it's God's book. And I know it's God's book. Brother Barton, I believe with all my heart it's God's book. So you know what I do? I read God's book again tomorrow. There are times I've read that thing, and sometimes it seems just as dead and as cold as the newspaper. Don't look at me spiritual. Let's just be honest. Come on now. But I've read it enough to know all of a sudden that right out of nowhere just me and God sitting around Brother Burns and reading that book. All of a sudden out of nowhere reading a verse I've read a hundred times. Reading a verse I've read over and over and over. The glory of God shows up and God points something out and feeds my soul and God begins to move in my soul. I say it's worth just being faithful. There are times you go to your prayer closet and it feels like there is no one in there but you and you are talking to to the ceiling, the floor, and the walls. Ain't that right? Ain't there times when you pray where, I mean, you just don't feel like, you know, you rung any glory bells. You don't feel like, you know, heaven came down and glory filled your soul. It just feels like you're talking. And you wasn't even sure if anybody was really listening. And you just, get, you got done, you got up and said, well, that was a waste of time. I mean, I know God's up there and by faith I believe He was listening. But I didn't feel nothing. It was just mundane, routine, normal faithfulness. Oh, but I keep going back because there's been enough times that I've walked into the prayer closet and I got down to pray and all of a sudden out of nowhere I mean wasn't expecting it weren't looking for it all of a sudden out of nowhere when I got in there I realized and I ascertained I was not alone somebody was in there with me and I was not praying in my own self I was praying in the Holy Ghost and God had showed up and the Lord was fellowshipping with me but you only get there by the routine Faithfulness. These times you come to church, I say it like this. Here just a few weeks back, we had Thursday night service. That's our midweek service. That's why I made him come up here and preach tonight. We got church tomorrow night. And, and we come 
Thursday night and, you know, we took prayer requests and prayed and sung some songs. And I got up with just a little old message. I'd been preaching a series on when God says, Whoa, you better stop. And I was preaching a bunch of different woes in the Bible. And I got to that woe where Paul said, Woe is unto me. If I preach not, brothers, act the gospel. And I preached on Paul's woe of responsibility. Just preaching the gospel. I just preaching to the church. And I got to the end of that message preaching to the church about us being a witness and woe is to us if we don't tell somebody about Jesus and the gospel. About that time that this little family had been in the church about six or eight months. Hey, got a little girl over there, Kinsley. She's about eight, nine, ten years old. All of a sudden I noticed folks started coming to the altar and really didn't pay a lot of attention. But she's just squalling and grabbed her mama and got in the altar. And I noticed they was the last ones up and they got up this Thursday night. They supposed to be gone playing ball. It's travel ball night. It's the night you ought to keep your kids out of church and go do something else because this is the boring, routine, mundane service. This is the service nothing happens at. Let's just not worry about measuring the porch, measuring the window, measuring the door. This is just boring. We was here last Thursday. We heard another series of messages. We, that ain't no sense. Yeah, but that little girl got up, walked back to her seat, squalling. I was noticing there's a stir among mom and daddy and stuff's happening about that time daddy turned around crying and said my little daughter just got saved and I realized brother God can show up even in the mundane even in the routine how many times have you tithed and didn't see nothing for it how many times have you put that 10% in plus your missions and you didn't see a thing for it you didn't see no little African child saved you didn't see no little Chinese child come to God you didn't see no little Filipino young and get saved you didn't see nobody in the states even get right and you think this is a waste of my time and then all of a sudden out of nowhere after you've tithed and gave faithfully all of a sudden somewhere God dumps a blessing down on you opens a window of heaven and God does something in your life maybe not even monetarily but some other way and you realize it was worth it being faithful it was worth it just doing what God told me I'm saying that's the kind of life that sees the glory of God here's the problem here's the problem I'm going to give you three little points but I'm going to just say this here's the problem so many Christians will never see God's glory in their life because they are not willing to do the routine the mundane the average the faithful and normal business of the Christian life people first get in church and man it's all new and it's all exciting They haven't learned all the words to every song we sing. So every time you show up, you don't hear a new song like you used to 15, 20, 30 years ago. It's very rare now you hear words to a song you ain't never heard before. The only songs I heard tonight I didn't know was one or two of them that His will sang. Everything else I done heard more times than I can count. Ain't nothing necessarily new or fresh about this service I ain't done seen a whole bunch of times. And all of a sudden when people start seeing that and they realize this ain't new and exciting... Sometimes it's just get up, go to church, get up, live for God. And I don't feel. Let me pause right here and say this. This is why we're seeing so many churches, including independent, fundamental King James Bible-believing Baptist churches, get to a place where they constantly, constantly, every service, have to have something new and exciting. Why? Because they got a bunch of people that ain't faithful and the only way to get them back Sunday after Sunday is if they constantly tell them, oh, you got to come back. It's something big next Sunday. 
It's something new next Sunday. I ain't got nothing big new or nothing like that to give y'all Sunday to Sunday. I tell you what I got. I got an old book. I got an old message. I got some old songs. And we're going to do them over and over. And we're going to preach them over and over. And if you're a child of God and you're faithful to the things of God, you'll love it. You'll attend. And you'll be there. And if you're nothing but a lackadaisical laying a sin, lukewarm Christian looking for entertainment and a show, you probably won't like it. That's the problem. It's all got to be new. It's all got to be this exciting new thing. No, just tell me that old story again. Like that old song. Tell me the old story of Jesus and His love. That old song said, Brother Burns, I love to tell the story for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Y'all, they something about I can hear that old story about Jesus and His love. And I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've heard it. But brother, when I hear it told, tears well up in my eyes again. My heart skips a beat again. Because it's real. It's real. It's real tonight. I don't know about you. I want to have the kind of life that can see the glory of God. Don't you? What, what will it take? Let's look at several things out of our texts tonight real quickly. I left my watch at the house. I'm going to hurry and preach this. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't say that to think I'm going to preach a long time. I'm saying that I'm going to try and hurry here because somebody holler at me. Throw a bottle of water at me when you're done. Somebody's probably going to throw one right by now. What, what, what kind of life sees the glory of God? Number one, I'm the first to say it's the, it's the life that has attention to detail. Lives that have attention to, to the details. Would you go back with me to chapter 40 and look at something? There's, there's something that's amazing to me that I saw in chapter 40 that blesses my heart, preacher Reigns, and it's over and over. Chapter 40, and look at verse number 7. I want you all to say this word with me when I point it out to highlight it. Verse number 7 of chapter 40, are you there? Say Amen. And every, say this word, little chamber. Was one read long, one read broad. And between these, say it, little chambers. Come down to verse number 10. Say this third word with me. And the, come down to verse number 12. The space also, verse 12, before the, was one cubit on this side. And the space was one cubit on that side. And the, chambers, y'all, in chapter 40, he mentions the word little 11 times. <laughs> 11 times God makes this guy take conscious notice of not the big things. 11 times. Get that little thing. Don't miss that little thing. Did you see that little thing? Ezekiel. Hey, hey, hey. See that little thing? Write that down. Hey, Ezekiel, check this out. See that? See that? It's little. Yeah, I know. Write that down. I'm, I'm interested in that. We live in a day, even in our churches. Can I just bring where we live? We live in our day in our churches. If it ain't a big something, we ain't interested. If it ain't a big Sunday, they ain't coming. If it ain't a big preacher, they ain't showing up. What does that even mean, by the way? I mean, I'm all for big preachers like this sister's daddy, Brother Billy Kelly. I like a big preacher like that. Praise God. Like a big preacher. But like the way they talk about today, like a big preacher, like, like some rock star. We ain't got no rock star preachers. 
That's a stinking shame if I ever heard of it in my life. We're the servants of God. And your servants for Christ's sake. I ain't a big nothing. I'm a little something that God picked out and asked to take care of His sheep. They're not my sheep. It's not my church. It's, not, it's all God's. He has simply made me a custodian. Y'all know what the custodian is? That's the nice word today for the janitor. <laughs> hey preacher, I'm sorry. Don't get all happy about who you are. You, the, you a janitor. Right? Ain't that what we are? We clean up messes all the time. I'm the mop closet guy. I'm just the guy God said, hey, take care of them people for me. They're not yours. They're mine. You just take care of them. Tell them what I tell you and you tell them. Okay. All this big stuff. Got to be big. Can't just be a little service. I believe sometime I'm going to have a big service at the church, but I'm going to call it a little service. (laughs) Join us at Bible Missionary. We're having a tiny little service. You can't gin nobody up with something like that. But here it is, Ezekiel. Look at this little thing. See, I find this out. God many times is much more interested in the little things than the big thing. You want, you want to know an interesting study? Here's an interesting study for all of us. Is go study the life of Jesus. And I know you all have. But when we're studying the life of Jesus, look how many times He issues. How many times He forsakes. How many times He runs away from the big crowd to go get one little person. Leave the big revival meeting. I must needs go through Samaria. What for? You told us not even going to the way of the Samaritans. You said you wasn't sent with the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah, but there's just one girl over there I need to get, get right. Lord, what, how come we leave in this big meeting and we're going across the sea in a storm, no doubt, no less, to a side of the country called the Gadarenes where they're not going to accept you? You already know it. They're not going to accept you. And you're going to get right back on your boat, turn around and come back. Yeah, there's one dude over there that's running around naked, crying and cutting himself. And I'm going to leave all these thousands of people behind so I'm going to get that one guy. Lord, you fix to do this great big old thing like the God on the inside, pop loose on the outside, and you're going to have Moses and Elijah show up. This is a big meeting. We need to make flyers. We need to blast it all over the place, and we need to make sure everybody shows up on the Mount of Transfiguration for this. Nah. This is a real big thing. I think I'll take just uh, Peter, James, and John. Let's just keep it little. I'm fixing to go pray about going to the cross and dying for the sins of the whole world. Uh, three of y'all come with me. Let's go pray. Over and over, it's just little things. I find God's interested in little things even if we're not. Now y'all listen to me. Let me drive this thing home on this point right here real quick. You say, why in the world would God be interested in all these little things in this place? Little chambers, little windows, little this, little... Why is He interested 11 times in little things? Listen to me. This is why. Don't miss this. This is good. It's so good. I can't even say it. This is good. The reason why He's interested in it is because this temple we're reading about from Ezekiel 40 to 48, it is the literal rebuilt physical temple that God will build and not man. In the, we're premillennial, right? 
This is what we literally believe. Real quick, doc, doctrinal thing here, real quick. It's Wednesday night, we have Bible study. We literally believe that any time now, any time now, just any day now, there could be a trumpet sound and the redeemed, the church of the living God, we're leaving out of here, known as the catching away, the rapture, ever what you want to call it, we leave it out. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation chapter 4. We're leaving out of here. Amen. 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 We believe there's seven years of tribulation and at the end of that seven years of tribulation we're coming back with Jesus Christ on white horses and for one thousand years he's going to bodily rule and reign on planet earth. When he does that's the tabernacle he's going to build. He's literally he's showing Ezekiel a prophecy of the future. He's showing him that one day, me, God in the flesh, I'm going to sit down in this literal rebuilt temple and I'm going to draw people to worship before me bodily for a thousand years. Now y'all listen to me. Listen. Why is God so interested in little things? Because His Son is going to dwell there. And if God's Son is going to tabernacle in a place He is interested in every little detail. Let's bring it to where we're at. Y'all, I ain't waiting on a literal rebuilt physical temple in Jerusalem. It's coming. I'm going to be there to see it. But I ain't waiting on that. That book said this. What? No, you're not. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God, and you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in the little things. In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How come does it matter what kind of clothes I wear? Because Jesus lives inside of you. I don't see what big deal is. Things is always talking about us listening to the right music. I can turn on the XM country station and boot scoot bug in. I can leave out of church and listen to Miley Cyrus. I can leave out of church and you and you and you won't boot book a chicken Jesus. No, sir. Jesus lives inside of you. And if he does, he's not just interested in saving your soul. He's interested in all the little things too. If there's a problem in most of our major churches today, it's that all we do is preach the big things. But have you read the New Testament? I mean, have you read all them church epistles? Good gracious, church epistles. Let's not get bogged down in church epistles. Let's just stay in the Beatitudes, you know. Let's not get bogged down in the fact that Paul takes a whole chapter in the Bible and deals with hair length on men and women. Amen. You tell me God's interested in a little old bitty thing like the length of my hair or my wife's hair? According to that Bible, he is. Let's not, let's not deal with issues like dress and modesty in the church, preacher. Let's just leave them dress standards and modesty out of the church. Well, according to a whole bunch of places in that Bible, he's interested in dress standards. Why? Why these little things? Because Jesus lives in you. Because you are his temple. We're only interested in all this big stuff. No, no, no. You're God's temple. And because of that, he's interested in little stuff. 
over and over the Bible talks about little things. Little things. The Bible's, the Bible's interested in little things uh, like a little faithfulness. Luke chapter 19 talked about when Jesus comes back. He tells that servant, Thou hast been faithful over little. I'll make thee ruler over much. God's interested in just a little faithfulness. You may not have the biggest church. And I don't even like using that term. Is there really such a thing as a big church or a little church? Then there, I mean, it really ain't. It's just you, you pastor what God gave you to pastor. You just be faithful over whatever what God gave you. There's one guy God gave five talents to. He was faithful over it. God said, well done, good and faithful servant. Another guy God gave ten talents to. He was faithful over that. They both, they both got rewarded. God might have only given you a five-talent church to work at, but be faithful over it. God might have given you a ten-talent church. Praise the Lord for it. But you ain't no better than the God that's got the five-talent church. Or the God that's got the one-talent church. A little faithfulness. Listen to me. A little filthiness. The Bible said in the book of Corinthians, chapter, one, chapter 5, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, a little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of sin in your life mess you all up. Oh, it's just a little sin. Ain't no big deal. Sweep it under the rug and hide that. Yeah, but them little ones turn into big ones. A little fire. James talked about that nasty old thing like that. And James said, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I'm just saying, what kind of life sees the glory of God? It's the kind of life that has attention to details. That life that... You, you want to know, I, I was just reading the other day and once again reading about him and then I was watching even a YouTube video that some historian done on him. I constantly try and read and hear more stuff about guys like this. One of my heroes, old Stonewall Jackson. One of the godless men ever lived. And one of the fiercest fighters that ever lived. You know people made fun of him and they still make fun of him to this day because of his strict adherence to details in his life. Every day he had the exact same routine every day of his life when fighting didn't preclude it. He got up at 6 o'clock and spent an hour in prayer and Bible reading. At 7 o'clock he spent time with his family. At 7.30 or 8 o'clock he'd go to school and teach at VMI. He'd teach from like 8 to 12. He'd come home and eat and then he'd resume studies for VMI. Spend time with his wife for about an hour in the afternoon then spend more time and, and it was always regimented. People made fun of him because of it. But I'm going to tell you what, that fellow saw some glory in his life. I'm just saying attention to detail makes a difference to God. Let me, can I move on? Let me move on. Hurry and give you this and I'll, I'll just throw these last two out and we'll be done. Not only the life that has attention to detail sees the glory of God, but two, the life that is attentive to directions. Attentive to directions. Watch what he said in chapter 40. Look at chapter 40 and verse 4. Watch how attentive this guy is to directions. Watch how attentive he is. Chapter 40, verse 4. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes. I want you to look at this now, Ezekiel. And hear with thine ears. I want you to hear it. But I don't just want you to hear it, and I don't just want you to see it. Y'all, unless you're, unless you're blind and deaf, it would simply be impossible tonight for y'all not to be seeing me and hearing me. The sound man's doing a great job. We ain't snapped, crackled, nor popped one time. God bless you, sir. Most thankless job in a church service is that guy's job because it, and nobody knows who he is until something does snap, crackle, or pop, and then everybody. <laughs> What'd you do? Sometimes nothing. Every sound system is made in hell by the devil. <laughs> Always. Every one of them. Changes service to service. 
So unless you're just plain old deaf or blind, you've had to see and hear what's been going on. But listen to me, the kind of life that sees the glory of God ain't just a life that sees and hears. It's got to get past eyes and ears. It's got to get here. Watch what it said. Verse 4, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. Ezekiel, I know I'm fixing to show you a lot of boring, mundane stuff, and I don't want you to just see it or hear it. I want you to be all in. I want you to give your heart to it. I mean, it's kind of crazy to me, Preacher Reigns. If you read the story, no doubt there are things he shows him duplicates of, sometimes quadruples of, the same thing like four times just in different sides. I mean, imagine walking up if you're Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, you see this little room? And some of these little rooms, y'all, they ain't no bigger than like square like right here. Little old bitty rooms just big enough for a fella maybe to lay down in. Little old bitty room. And he walks up and says, now Ezekiel, don't just see it, don't just hear it. Man, set your heart on this. Hard to get real excited about. And then we're going to go over here and look at one just like that. And he's saying, Woo! Now set your heart on this, Ezekiel. This is awesome. Okay. <laughs> like that one. And ain't nothing in it. All right. Now, y'all, listen to me. Don't miss this. Re- reckon what would have happened had Ezekiel walked to one of them rooms that he's already seen three times and he just says, I ain't writing that down. Show me something else, I'll write something else down. But I've already written that down like three times. Show me something else. I'll, I'll, I'll show me something big or awesome or just different. And I'll, and I'll put my heart on that. But not the same stuff over and over. Listen to me. If at any point Ezekiel stops writing down what he's told, don't miss this, he stops moving. Watch with me. Watch what it said. Look at chapter 40 and verse number 17. Ezekiel has written down all this stuff. In the first 16 verses, watch chapter 40, verse 17. Don't miss this. Watch the first four words. And, or then he, then brought he me into the outward court. Look at verse 24. After that, verse 24, he brought me toward the south. Look at verse 28. And he brought me to the inner court. Verse 32, and he brought me. Over and over it says this. Y'all don't miss this. Every time Ezekiel faithfully writes down whatever God shows him, no matter how little, big, or whatever it is, every time he writes it down, God says, okay, now come with me. What would have happened if Ezekiel got to something and he said, I ain't writing it down. (laughs) Just my heart ain't in this. Okay, that's fine, but we're not moving on any further. We're not moving until you take that to heart. Till you see it, hear it, and put it in your heart, we're not moving. You don't know why so many Christian lives get stagnant? Here's why so many Christian lives get stagnant and they don't keep moving. Because they've got to something in their life and God says, you either need to get rid of that or you need to add this to your life. And they get to a place where they say, nah, not willing to. Okay, you're not moving. Preachers, you would bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I lie not. Every pastor in here would bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I lie not. If you've pastored or been around church for a length of time, you have seen this. Even churchmen, you've seen this. You've seen members that you know for beyond shadow of a doubt they're saved, 
And they've been saved 20 to 25 to 30 years, but they are the biggest spiritual babies you've ever met in your life. They have no spiritual discernment. They don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They don't help in the church. They don't try and help others. It's all about them. And they have very little desire for the things of God, even though they are saved. But then you've watched somebody come to your church and get born again. And in less than four years, they have learned more Bible, been involved in more ministry, and got more spiritual discernment in four years of Christian living than that guy or that lady's got in 20 plus years of Christian living. How is this possible, Brother Zach? That's, that's, how is this possible? I'll tell you how that's possible. This young Christian got to a place where they heard things out of the pulpit and they said, Thank you, Lord. I'm going to start doing that in my life. I'm going to let that change me. I ain't going to sit there and say, I don't see where there's a need for that in my life. I don't see where I need to change that in my life. That's just your preference. That's just your opinion. And you always talking about this and it's over and over. And I just don't see where I need that. Okay, fine. Don't move. That's some Christian's theme song. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's some Christian theme song. I ain't moved. But there are some Christians, they hear the word and they don't, like Paul said, when you heard the word from us, you received it not as it was the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you that believe. You know the only way this book works is if you believe it. But if you'll believe it and start letting it change the way you behave, it will effectually work in your life. It will revolutionize your home. It will revolutionize your mind. It will totally change you. The only way to continue to move with God. I mean, don't take my word for it. Peter said this. The apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter number 1, he said, add to your faith virtue, charity, patience, godly kindness, and brotherly kindness. And all he said, for if these things abound and be in you, they make you that you should neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he's talking to Christians. But he that lacketh these things. What happened to him? He stopped adding. God said, add this to your life. You need this, add this to your life. And he said, no, I'm not going to add this. I'm happy where I'm at. Okay, fine. He that liketh these things is blind. Save people. Save people. And cannot see afar off. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm talking about people that get to a place where there's no more attentiveness to directions. I know everything there is to know. I've been saved all these years. Nobody can teach me anything. God forbid any of us. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me. Any of us ever get to the place, I don't care how long you've been saved, how many good messages you've heard, how many preachers you've been around, how long you've served, how long you've taught Sunday school, how long you've sung in the choir. This really don't matter. God help any of us if we get to the place where we quit growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't want to get to a place, brother, where God says, just stop dealing with Him. He ain't moving on. He's just made his mind up he's staying right there oh no I want to go on unto perfection I want to keep moving on keep walking on and God continue to show me new levels of grace new truth in my life and a deeper level of the glory of God I'm done the kind of life that sees the glory of God is that which has attention to detail that which is attentive to directions but lastly the kind of life that sees the glory to God Lastly, is that one that has affection for his duties. 
He's got affection for this stuff. It's not just a job to him. It's not a drudgery to him. Can I show it to you out of the scripture and we'll be done? Chapter 43. Chapter 43, the glory of God showed up, right? We looked at that. God's glory showed up and the Lord starts talking to Ezekiel. Now I want you to notice something. Don't miss this. I want you to notice something. Look down at verse 18 with me. Look down at verse 18. Up till here. Please don't miss this. Brother Burns, up till here. Every time God had told him something to do through that angel or whatever that was in chapter 40, 41, and 42, up till here, this is what he says every time. And the man said this. And the man told me to do this. And the man told me to do that. But watch. (laughs) After he sees the glory of God, everything he tells him to do from here on out, it's no longer the man told me to do it. Watch his affection for what he's doing. Look at verse 18, chapter 43. And he said unto me, Son of man, thus saith the Lord God. Look at chapter 44, verse 2. Chapter 44, verse 2. Then said, who unto him? The Lord said it to him. Look at verse 5. And, verse 5, the Lord said unto me. Over and over from here on out, you know what he starts hearing? And he starts realizing, this ain't just the man telling me to do it. I'm doing this for God. And I love it. Because it's the God I love that's asking me to do it. There's ditches on every side of the road in living for Jesus. There's a ditch in getting to the place to where your attention to detail, you have absolutely none. And so it just doesn't matter to you who your friends are, how you spend your time, what you look at with your eyes, what you listen to with your ears, what you put on your body. It just don't matter to you. You just give up on attention to detail. You're saved and that's all you care about. God bless you. But can I say there's a ditch on another side too? To where you've got attention to all the details. But you've forgotten why you're even doing it. And you only do it for the man. You do it for the man. I'm doing it to impress my pastor. Because he's been beating me over the head with the Bible. And I'm going to make sure I'm lining up. I'm doing it for the man. The man said measure this. I'm doing it for the man. The man said check that little thing out. I'm doing it for the man. Oh, but Ezekiel gets to the place in his life where he starts saying, it wasn't for the man. The Lord said. The Lord said, y'all, I don't want to do what I do like the Pharisees to be seen of men. I want to do what I do as the servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. I want to do what I do because I realize I ain't doing it for a preacher and I ain't doing it for a church and I ain't doing it for a member, but I'm doing it because there's a God in heaven that sent His Son to shed rich, red, royal, redeeming blood for an old wicked sinner like me. And if He loved me that much to give everything for me, the least I can do is live my life for His glory. And what I do in every facet of my life, I want to do it so that He gets the glory. You want to know how you can enjoy living your Christian life and then not become... This is what's sad to me. and I've seen it over and over. What's sad is in a lot of our independent Baptist churches, some of our kids turn 18, 19, 20, and they almost get bitter about church and... 
attention to little things. And I think this is really why it happened. This is really why it happened. It happened because they were just doing it for the man. But they wasn't doing it for the Lord. You want to know how to enjoy your Christian life, young people? Get to the place where you live your Christian life because you love Jesus. And you're not reading that Bible. You're not trying to read your Bible looking for a loophole to get more loose in your life, to see how much you can get into. No, 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 no. You're reading your Bible to see how much closer to Jesus you can get. Because I want to love Him more and I want to please Him more. The kind of life that sees the glory of God is the one that starts having affection for His duties. Y'all, I ain't trying to recover from what I am. I'm not mad about what I am. I'm not bitter about what I am. I'm not sad about what I am. I am a happy, 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 happy camper. I'm a happy, happy Christian. They sung God's been so good to me. You got that right, friend. God has been better to me than I deserve. And the least I could do is prove it to Him by giving my entire life to Him. And Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Brother, would you play something for us over here? Brother Burns, give us a song. Paul said, therefore, whatsoever you do, whether therefore you eat or drink, little things, whether therefore you eat or drink, or what, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know how to see God's glory? Make sure your life is giving Him glory. And if your life will give Him glory, He'll show up. Have attention to the details. Be attentive to the directions and have affection for your duties. How about it tonight? Maybe there's little things in your life that you've just kind of started letting slip. And there's things in your life God put His finger on even this week maybe and said... That right there, you need to add that or subtract that. And you've known it for a long time. But instead of adding that to the table of your heart, the fleshly table of your heart, instead of adding it, you've just said, nah, stopping right where I am. Tonight, won't we hit an altar and say, Lord, help me to keep moving. And help me to do it because I love you. Not out of drudgery, but out of love. The kind of life that sees the glory of God. Let's all stand tonight, preacher.